I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Smell! You know that gasoline smell? It smells like... Victory. Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Initech. No, you're working at Initech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars. Well, I'm Saxon Jackson. I'm out at Burn on the Board. SB Futures up five now. And SA Futures up 28. We've been languishing all night, but now we're moving up a little bit. Mm. We have Mr. Brendan. We do indeed. I'm here, Chief. How are you this morning? All right, so I'm not going to accuse you of a, being a, t- a retired attorney sitting on his ass all day. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing well today. It's a good, uh, kind of an interesting uh, times we're running through here. A lot of, a lot of serious questions for me, I mean, Brendan. Are you in Chicago or are you in Michigan? Uh, we're over across the lake. Good for you. Coming back to Chicago later on today. Good for you. It's a uh, Kind of dreary kind of weather, but it's uh, at least we're not getting snows and zeros, so it's uh, I guess it's okay, huh? Can't complain about that kind of weather in December. No, no big heavy snowstorm yet. Uh, although yeah. over here in Michigan, it's all gone now. But a few weeks ago, we had nine inches of snow around here. Mm. Yeah. The uh, well, you guys, uh, does that closer to the lake you get, the more it gets, or does it doesn't really matter? Just we're about fifteen twenty miles inland from the lake. It just was kind of abandoned. Now the worst part is that stretch. Of, uh, of 8094 just south of the lake around Chesterton area it's just kind of yeah. tip of the lake kind of straight across and that area just gets really badly snowed in um, our area is about 15-20 miles inland from the lake uh, 12 miles over the border I was supposed to get on to the uh, Irish game on Sunday afternoon and I'm keeping a wary eye on the weather so far they're talking 43 and okay so that'd be fine yeah Don't that'd be wanna... fine hey, Ava couple of, uh, well, two or three really kind of serious questions for you today. Uh, the, the election in Georgia today um, is, uh, you know, a lot of money went into it, nowhere near as much, I don't think, since the Senate has already been decided. But still, it's quite a bit. I just read bits and pieces, Brandon, how it makes a big difference. Now, if uh, uh, the Democratic guy wins, that means the Democrats are actually 51 in the Senate. Well, with, with the two independents at caucus with the Democrats rather than 50-50, which still gives them the advantage because of the vice president. Right. Um, I was reading some stuff about how whether you have 51 or 50 makes a huge difference in how the committee assignments are apportioned. Um, That's right. How, how, does, how does that work? Well, if, if a party, Republican or Democrats, has a majority, 51 to 49, they get to select the composition and the leadership of all the various committees. Right now, uh, for the last two years, it's been split, so the committees all have an even number of Democrats and Republicans on them, and the leadership is uh, pretty much shared. It also means that 
uh, any vote for committees often wind up tied. And in those cases, the committee votes are not uh, determined by the vice president. The vice president only decides the full vote of the Senate. So it, it slows down the process, and it makes it, uh, for example, with judicial appointments or appointments for the cabinet, it slows down the process because more procedural steps have to be taken to satisfy the minority who have an equal uh, participation in the committees. So that's the biggest thing. And, and so, for example, with the judges, it can um, it can slow down the process and, and by doing so, string out a lot of the things that can be done. Plus, it also distracts away from time to do other things that may come up before the Senate. So, uh, for like every committee chair, the vice president doesn't show up and, and vote Democrat for the committee chair? No. No, the committees are separate. The, the, the vice president sets... Uh, breaks the tie only for the full Senate. So if it's a 50-50 vote on a bill, she could come in and be the 51st vote, yay or nay. And, uh, but at the committee level, if there's a committee of 12 senators, there'd be six Democrats, six Republicans, and um, they'd, I'm not sure if it's a co-leadership position or, or how they share the, the committee leadership, but I think it may even be a, a co-chairmanship for the two, so that there has to be more working together, but it also means minority party, whichever party it, it is, um, party out of the White House, has to take more procedural steps in order to get things done. Okay. Um, so there is there is definitely a difference. Uh. But you know, I think that the other, the other issue that I've not heard too much about, uh, but I think it, it's really critical from the Republican standpoint, is that not only what happens over the next two years, what happens in 2024 in the election? Um, I suppose, yeah. Three Democratic seats up and only 10 Republican seats up. It's uh, And there's a lot of Democrats who are um, in red states. Joe Manchin, for one. John Tester of Montana is another. And there, there's a few others who, whose names are escaping me right now. But there, there are some fragile Democrats coming up. And it means in order for the Republicans to flip the Senate, in 24, the Georgia seat would be one that they uh, do not have to flip, or uh, they don't have to uh, account for. They're not going to flip it because uh, Ossoff, who is the other Democratic uh, senator from Georgia, won in 2020. He won't come up until 26. Okay. So, but this would be another number. If, if Walker wins the election, he'd be another number that gets him closer to taking over control of the Senate with one fewer election in 24. Ah, okay. Well, yeah, it obviously makes makes a difference. The other uh, we're here starting to hear all kind well, all kinds of craps coming out of Washington, but um, clearly, what's happened in the last few years in terms of uh, the oil companies, and, and this happens, you know, it happens pretty much, uh, um, you know, anywhere in any any kind of an economy that's vibrant. You know, sometimes it's your day, and sometimes it's not, and. Uh, Sometimes you're the windshield. Sometimes you're the bud. Yeah, <laughs> the. Uh, I mean, where, where do you stand on this you know, kind of windfall profits tax stuff that these guys are? I, you know, I, I don't. I don't know where you go with that in the oil companies. I mean, uh, uh, I guess if um, we need more investment, of course, we're not sure we want oil investment. If we need more investment going forward, I'm not so sure you want to snag. I mean, I'm not. I guess I'm not. I don't really want to be in the position of opining as to whether or not you should take extra cash from people or not, because or 
maybe you either have to have a general idea you kind of let it ride or you don't. I mean, if every single time the government does something that causes somebody to make more money, they quote, you know, I guess some people would allege they didn't deserve. Hell, you go right down the line in the PPP and the airlines and everybody else. I mean, uh, in terms of money handed out, I mean, where do you, where do you, in general, where do you stand on? Oh God, we got to grab this money back from the oil company. I, mean, I, I think if your if your tax burden is fair, I you know I don't I just don't want to go down that road. I mean, what do you think? It's a difficult road, and I think it gets out of a philosophical discussion, but also how a philosophy is implemented in real life. For example, American capitalism means that uh, you want corporations to be successful, you want people to be successful, you want to make as most money as possible. And in exchange, in an ideal world, you would have uh, corporate morality that says, we will give more back to uh, to our, not only our shareholders, but we'll give back more money to the community, the overall community, by lowering, for example, in the case of, of the oil companies, I- instead of making $100 billion this year, we'll, uh, we'll be satisfied with taking $50 billion a year and that other $50 we will use to reduce the cost of gas for, for the American public. Um, it, it's kind of a, an offshoot of the idea of trickle-down theory. And in concept, that's fine, but the corporate uh, corporate heads will say, no, we want more because we deserve it and we want our shareholders. So even though we could reduce the, the price of oil, that the price of gas that people put in their tanks, we want more profits because that's what we do, and we need to return it to our shareholders. So the, the, the theories break down. You know, we want capitalism to be successful for those who work hard, and also to make up for the fact that there are lean years, that there might be years when a corporation, whether it's uh, an oil company or you know, a, a widget manufacturer, has some bad years, and you want to kind of recoup all the investments they had at the time. But... There also needs to be a balancing, a, a corporate morality, if you will, that to give some of that money back at a time when, the, when the, it would serve the, the public good. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I I, get, I always have trouble answering questions, you know, like that, Brendan, because there's all I do is want in the middle of my answer thinking of uh, things that, that shouldn't be that affect the answer. It's like I uh, I really I really wish we had a tax code that made more sense. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, for instance, if if we just, if we's the we's decided that uh, the maximum corporate or maximum tax rate for anybody, I'm not smart enough to pick the number, but say it's thirty percent, say it's twenty nine, say it's thirty five, somewhere in there. I mean, it shouldn't be eighty, obviously, or anything like that. But let's pick let's pick a number. Let's say thirty three, an even third. I don't I don't see why your corporations pay twenty. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't. I think everybody, if that's the case. Everybody should pay 33, and if you declare a dividend, the dividend should be deductible because the person who gets the dividend, then he has to pay, or she, he or she has to pay. So mm-hmm. if you, if that you did, sounds fair. If you did, the, of course, I mean, we're never going to get there, but, but if we did that, then I would say if you had a spectacular year, you know what, 33 is probably enough, and by the way, you're, you're probably paying the state some, and I think, I think that's okay. I mean, I, uh, I guess what you, you don't want is that... Um, for somebody to you know be paying twenty if they even pay that, and uh, maybe they're paying ten. Although I think I think the oil companies might might actually pay or zero. Well, might well yeah, but I'm not so sure the oil companies are are able to do that as much as some other places. But say, let's just say they pay twenty, and all of a sudden you take the rest and you you know you buy stock back because you got 
your, your 50 idiots up top have, uh, have uh, you know, stock options and you don't give anything, you don't pay a dividend at all to everybody else. I mean, it, it just gets so counter-screwed up, in my, in my opinion, because of what the tax thing has done to people. Um, if it was it was just a straight system, I don't think you'd, I don't think I'd worry about it. I mean, I just say you guys had a good year. I mean, I remember the trading floor. I mean, one one stock could get busy, and then the next year maybe your stock could get busy. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. just the way it lands. And, well, uh, and and that was the example I gave a few minutes ago. That you know, in the corporate morality theory, that you want them to make up for years that they had downturns because of you know, whatever the reason was, it, it cost more to put in a new. Uh, machine to to build a widget so they they didn't make enough profit or didn't make it as much profit. I will, I will pu- uh, push so you back. don't want to penalize them for doing corporate good and and also good for the community, but you also don't want to see egregious numbers when the general public is suffering, whether it's because of a pandemic or because of uh, rising prices that are out of control of the American public, whether it's an outside war or uh, restrictions by OPEC or what have you in the, in the oil field. Um, but there has to be some kind of a corporate morality to say, we will help out the community, we will help out the country by uh, by reducing our prices, even though that means lower profits. So you're, uh, um, you're, when you say something like that, I'm going to push back a hair, because uh, if I was giving an economics test, before your answer wasn't anything more than an F, I'd have to say, uh, assume an, an oligopoly. Or a monopoly, mm-hmm. because if it's if it's anything competitive, you don't have any control over the prices, right? Um, fair point. Fair point. But um, but um, you're right, and, and it does it does impart some kind of uh, a collusion analogy. It implies that all of the companies would have to come in to agree to reduce their prices because otherwise you'd have one person, one entity that would be taking a hit for for all of them and they'd go out of business. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't, uh, I would say that uh, it, it's my opinion of corporate morality, it's it's sort of the same as running the company for the long term. You mm-hmm. know, I'm not going to pollute, not because I you know, think it's wrong, although you probably shouldn't pollute because you think it's wrong. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to pollute because of the, the hundred thousand I saved today by pouring crap in the river. The next CEO is going to pay twenty million to clean up the river. So, mm-hmm. so it's it's a bad business decision on top of being immoral or against right. the law. So, but I think you you would never you would never expect if corn prices went high for any kind of a farmer to say instead of charging selling my corn at eight bucks, I'm going to sell it at seven. And some you might give some away to the local pantry, but you're not going to. There's no way you would you would I don't even know how you could sell it at seven, mm-hmm. you know, in the markets. So I mean, you're you're sort of <laughs> you're you're making the legal uh, step here that you, we're talking about a, a controlled industry <laughs> and that these guys are. No, I, I understand that, and that's why that's why all of these answers get very complicated because you're absolutely right that if if there is a uh, an oligopoly that is uh, involved, then the way that my theory works is through a form of collusion yeah. or independent assumption of the same goals that yeah, in in their individual silos all of the companies say well instead of 100 billion we'll be okay with 50 and even if uh, company A or company B uh, stays a little bit higher we're still going to do it out of the goodness of our heart because this is what the public needs. Plus once and, you start doing it. I understand it, that it's an idealistic world but I think that 
you, you ask uh, hypothetically what no, I was saying one of the things that in the world you're describing, and I'm not giving you grief here, I just because that's really where half the worlds are in this country, right? So <clears throat> you're describing more of the, uh, <clears throat> I'll say, status quo than I am. Um, if you if you get into that genre or into that into that set, you end up if you're gonna if you're the government's gonna say, okay, here's the five oil companies, and we're gonna try and get an agreement for them to. Knock the prices down ten percent. Well, now you're you're essentially anointing those five people as the oil companies. That's right. Which which I don't, I don't think you want to do. I mean, I wouldn't. No, no, because that has other complications. It only works a lot because there's there's always the conceptual trade off, and this is you know part of the original Standard Oil back in back in the day in the nineteen Bigger is better. If we gain a monopoly then we will reduce prices out of the goodness of our hearts. Yeah. The only reason we continue to raise prices is because we're in competition. And if our competition makes more money than we do, then we're at a disadvantage. However, if we gain the whole market, then out of the, the goodness of our heart, the largesse will be returned to the general public. That's a fallacy of, of monopolistic ideas, but that's you know one of the, the underlying concepts of it. Well, the, the, the biggest, well, in my opinion, so like more I studied, <clears throat> and people probably don't even remember this world anymore. And in my opinion, the, the biggest history of that was when the government um, controlled the airline prices. Right. Because the, idea, the idea was, whenever, just as a real quick history lesson, all the airlines used to be, when you when you went to, it didn't matter what airline you flew from here to L.A., the price was the same. And the, gov- mm-hmm. the government essentially, you know, in, in, in consist, I guess, with the airlines, would make these prices, and there was not. I mean, I think most people would say from 1933 or four, when the Sim- Civil Air and Expo, I could be off a year or two, was uh, made that government thing to maybe 1975 or so, uh, that there probably had been a massive increase in air travel, <laughs> wouldn't you say? And uh, mm-hmm. and yet there was not one new airline because they whatever it was, they could handle it. So that was the group. Right. They agreed to the prices. Because they were pretty friggin' high, they agreed to the prices, and, uh, and then they were the guys for for right. like forever. And then the interesting right. part is, after the airlines were totally deregulated and the prices came flying down, now they're all back together again. You actually have way less airlines than you did then. So the the, mm-hmm. the forty year plan, I think, was a total fiasco in, in, in one man's opinion uh, in terms of competitiveness. I mean, you can't tell me it's competitive now. And when you, when you talk about the airlines. Well, they can say they are, but they're not. I mean, if if you and I wanted to, uh, you know, if we wanted to fly from, say, South Bend to Vegas or someplace like uh, Hooters did, I'm going to say that uh, United now has every ability to to lower their prices on just the United Airlines or the uh, Vegas trip just to screw with us. Without mm-hmm. so, I mean, it's 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 way more uh, you know competitively screwed up now than I think it ever was. But that's, you know, well, that's, that's right. And when, when deregulation was first implemented back in the 70s, late 70s and early 80s, that's where you saw the creation of things like Midway Airlines. Remember yeah. Midway Airlines? Yep. And, and and now, you know, you can have the argument for JetBlue and Spirit, which go for low, really low prices, but no additional services. So that's a fallacy in your argument because there are new airlines that have come up like JetBlue, like Ryanair, like um, uh, Spirit. Um, but, but they're but they're fringe. Really the same that we saw 
back in, uh, you're talking about in the, in the 70s and 80s when deregulation, when you had Southwest Airlines, when you had Midway Airlines, but you also had the demise of Pan Am and TWA. It's also interesting that when you pick the deregulation of the airlines, there's also been a shift in both the number of people who flew and fly now and the, the type, the economic demographics of who flies now versus back in the 50s or 60s. Well, you, you uh, can't have any, but you can't have a, a deregulated industry where plane, people are allowed to either have gates or landing slats at the big airports they never even use, just nobody else can use them. Oh, I, I agree. Yeah, I mean, so it's a big, long, a big, long mess there. Hey, uh, real quick, I'm going to go through this big time with uh, with Hal. But what, what do you make of this? Uh, in my opinion, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll lob it out there. This sort of ridiculous price cap on oil that they're trying to do with the Russians. What a, with Russia, <laughs> you know, I keep reading about that, and I don't know how to enforce that. You know, as, as a, a buyer, how do you tell them? How do you tell uh, an entity like Russia that? We won't pay you uh, a penny more than sixty dollars. Uh, well, that's not what they're doing. That's not what they're doing. I, I don't know how you enforce that. It seems very convoluted and back asswards. Well, th- what they're doing, they're doing it a really weird way. They're saying that the the Russian ships cannot get insurance by anybody in the Western world if the if the cargo is more than sixty bucks. So they're doing it through the insurance. That's how. I would never have thought of that. It's pretty sneaky, actually, and uh, and they're doing it in such a way where. Um, that's why Russia is running around and buying up all these old oil tankers because they mm-hmm. want if they fly them under Russian flags, then it does it doesn't work. But now the question is, do you want some old junky tanker going through the Gulf uninsured? <laughs> you know, I don't know. I stop it. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what the laws are with that. I mean, I suppose you can say they can't pull up at the Houston dock or it's not a dock, but it's whatever it is. But I don't I don't know how you I don't know enough about maritime law to know what you can do with that. But it's, it's yeah, done, it's I, I don't know enough about maritime law to answer that either. But it's you know it's kind of a, a cat and mouse game that, uh, it, and and this is how the legal system works. You know, you're always trying to stay one step ahead of the laws that are being put in place, and the laws are usually one step behind whatever the next thing is. You know, if you look at at drugs coming across the border and, and being used, you know, it, it, uh, the evolution is always. Catching up, catching up process. Well, the but it's intriguing. But I, I still don't know, understand how they can really uh, practically get to a sixty dollars limit imposed by the buyer, not the seller. Well, what they're trying to do is saying, if, if we're not taking anything, it's not insured. Mm-hmm. And insured, and, it, and it's coming through the insurance. But everything everybody should remember. I mean, I guess you don't have to. But one thing, when when the Saddam Hussein was still alive before the Iraq War, uh, he was not. It was an embargo on his oil, and then all of a sudden, for humanitarian purposes. They said he could sell some oil, but it was only going to be 12 bucks a barrel when the rest of the world was like 25, 28, something mm-hmm. like that. Well, of course, most people don't, uh, you know, a barrel of oil is a barrel of oil, right, to, to right. a large extent. So, you know, the French, what's the big uh, big French oil company? They were buying it, and they they were they were willing to pay the regular price, 25. So I think it was, didn't Sanam's two kids end up with the other 10 bucks or something? <laughs> or some bizarre way they flipped it back and forth, but but here's the weird part: when, when you do stuff like this, and uh, and, and Carl's always all over this, and I don't know how much you agree with Carl, but you guys are kind of opposite of the defense. But I think he's really right on wh- what are you willing to do to enforce this? I mean, if uh-huh. um, there are people, not me or you or, or Matt, that can stick a hypodermic needle, for lack of a better term, into a, into a boatload of oil and pull it out, and within 30 seconds, tell you exactly where it came from. I mean, it's like DNA. 
So, I mean, everybody, every, everybody's oil has somewhat of a signature. I mean, how, how they do it, it's above my pay grade. But, I mean, you're not going to confuse Venezuelan oil with West Texas or with Pennsylvania light. I mean, it's, you know, you're not going to do that. But uh, we're we going to maybe run over a second here, Matt. But the, uh, the, are, are we willing if, uh, if, if, you know, if, if Brandon comes in with a boatload of oil from God knows where, Saudi or someplace, and we stick the thing in there, and we find out it's really Russian oil. Are we willing to put the captain and the whole company in jail? I'm, uh-huh. think, I'm thinking the answer is no. So I mean, we're, I mean, we didn't back then. I mean, we're not, we're not willing to ever enforce any of this crap. It doesn't appear to uh-huh. me because if it was important enough to do, it should be important enough to enforce. And I, I don't, I don't see that anywhere. Do you? No. In fact, that's, that's one of the really interesting things uh, about our political situation, our global political situation right now, is that. Every goal comes at a price, and yeah. the question comes: Are you going to pay the price to do that? Well, because if it turns out if it's the right, if it's the right people, the answer is no. If it's the wrong people, I guess it's yes. Anyway, Brendan, take care of yourself. Are you going to come in one of these days when you're in town? Uh, probably. I'll try to. Yeah, and you know, now that things are better, we actually can even stop for uh, a beverage some night. You don't know if you're around. Sounds good. Because uh, people are getting out and about a little bit more. Take care of yourself. SP Futures up six. Nasdaq Futures up thirty-six. Be right back, Mr. Joel and Khan. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com/jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hi, this is Audrey Johnson at HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. Sellers, if you're wondering if it's the right time to sell your home, call me and I will be happy to provide you with a free market analysis and a personalized sales program for your property. I will help you get the right information to maximize your returns in this economy. Buyers, it is the time to look for the home of your dreams. What you couldn't afford two years ago is available now. Don't get caught in the rent price spiral that's sure to come. Plus, if you buy or sell a home from me at HomeSource Realty, 
you will get a free 40-inch flat-screen TV at your closing. Call me at 708-349-3456 or email me at audreyjohnson at realtor.com for more information and details on this offer. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Hello, I'm David Andelman, founder and president of DAX Research, a registered commodity trading advisor and a frequent contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio show. For more than 30 years, professional floor traders at the Chicago Chicago Mercantile Exchange, including four past CME presidents, have chosen DAX Research to help guide their trading. I'm pleased to announce that I'm now on the premises of PTI Securities and Futures as a research analyst and a securities and futures trader. I am now offering two of our daily newsletters, the Daily News Report and our Daily Stock and Futures Trading Recommendations, both emailed daily to subscribers before the market opens. To benefit from the same research professionals have used for more than three decades, go to our website, www.dacsresearch.net, to obtain the tool that meets your trading and investment needs. Or call me and get two weeks free with a one-month subscription. I'm David Andelman, President of DAX Research. You can call toll-free 1-800-821-4968. Stock and futures trading have risk of loss and are not suitable for everyone. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howie's Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures up 550. NASA Futures up 31. Trying to get back a little bit of yesterday's losses. Dow's up 32. No individual stocks. I've got, well, I got Chevron Texaco down a buck 56. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, and we've got uh, Goldman Sachs up a buck 46. We've got JP Morgan up down 93. Everybody was all over the banks yesterday. you got to buy the banks because the banks got hammered yesterday. I'm not so sure you want to buy the banks, but we'll get Kenny's assessment on that. Um, we've got the... Uh, well, let's see, here we go. Over in Europe, we've got the uh, DAX down 25.2%, FTSE down 25.3%, GAC around down 14.2%, so moderately lower in Europe, nothing of any consequence. Nikkei up 65.2%, Shanghai up 72 cents, call that flat. Hang Seng, which has been the huge winner the last four or five days in a row, down 77.4%, but we're sitting at 19.4, up from the 14.5 low, I should get, get the exact date for tomorrow, but I'm going to say two weeks ago, mm. maybe maybe three. Sounds about right. Yeah, so it's a huge, huge deal. Bands on five basis points to 3.55. Who would have thought they'd be back down here when they were up over four for a while? 
One down five basis points, 1.82. They never made it to stay over 2% either. Japan unchanged at 0.25. Japan unchanged. That's unchanged. Uh, oil, now 99 cents, 75.94. Yesterday they were up two something. They were up two and a half, three percent while we were doing the show. They ended up down that much. I think we were like 81 or 82 yesterday morning. I mean, it's an amazing drop in oil. Brent, down a buck 10, 81.58 natural gas. Down a dime, 5.47. It was over six bucks maybe Thursday. I mean, that's that's a huge drop there as well. Uh, gold up 1080, 17.92. It dropped under uh, 1800 yesterday on the dollar strength. Today's dollar going the other way. Silver up 33 cents, 22.75. Copper up two cents, 3.81. We've got Bitcoin up 82 bucks, hanging above 17,000 by a hair, 17,012. Yesterday we had people saying Bitcoin's going to 5,000. We had another guy saying it's going to 250,000. So. Mm. I guess that's what makes a market, eh, Matt? I guess so. Uh, we the dollar is uh, is is uh, is a uh, actually the dollar is weaker today. Sorry, I'm uh. Just, uh, it's inverted, so I get confused yeah. once in a while. The euro is actually up to 105, and the pound is up 1.22. So the dollar is stronger. That's why you see gold up. That's why you see all this other stuff. Mm. My confusing was because of the oil, because the oil is going the other way. It's getting hammered. Uh, see, yeah. What do you have for us, Trevi Weather Sports? Oh, good morning. Currently 6.38 a.m. on December 6, 2022. Uh, traffic in Chicago just starting up this morning. We'll keep you updated as it progresses. Weather in Chicago right now 39 degrees, mostly cloudy. Expect a high of 44 degrees today. Temperature is supposed to be identical tomorrow as well. In Phoenix, 54 degrees and cloudy. Expect a high of 66 degrees in the afternoon. Now for sports. Uh, week 13 in the NFL wrapped up last night. New Orleans Saints at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Buccaneers won by a narrow 17-16. Tonight in the NHL, we'll see the Blackhawks take on Jersey Devils in Newark. Game starts at 6 p.m. Central Time. Hawks 7-13 this season. That's all for now, Chief. Back to you. Do we have Mr. Joel? We do indeed. Joel, how are you? Good morning, Chief. How you doing on this Tuesday morning? I'm doing all right. Maybe you can... uh... This glorious Tuesday morning. (laughs) Yeah, well, maybe you can explain to me, Lucy, how... uh, What the hell happened to oil yesterday? Yeah. It was up when I was doing the show, and it got hammered. You know, I I go on this uh, tirade all the time on uh, on my broadcast. What what OPEC says says what Russia does, what all those participating countries say is different. What they do. Oh sure. Mm. They're pumping right now. They're pumping all the oil they can at eighty bucks a barrel, seventy five bucks a barrel. 70 bucks a barrel they're pumping they could say they're cutting but they're not there's so much more oil on the markets that's not counted accounted for so i i that's just this it i think crude's going back to 55 60 bucks i think the rally's over i don't i don't know why people continue to believe what opec says um, i don't either and uh, it's uh interesting you should say that because a nobel or Lobel winning a uh, laureate economist, Milton Friedman. It was right after the Arabs got together with the cartel and all that stuff, OPEC. And he said, these things, the hardest thing to do in a cartel is to discipline it. Because these guys will be cheating all over the place. Which, you know, obviously they've been, they've been back in the day when they were a much bigger percentage of the market, they were able to move prices. But never really where they thought they were going to move them. Like you say, there was always somebody, oh man, we're... We're we're cutting we're, we're cutting the oil. Let me slip it. Let me slip an extra tanker out of here while nobody's not looking while the prices are up. I mean, it's it's it's, it's just dis- it's very discipl- difficult to discipline a system when the when the when the product is 
I just said earlier, Joel, before you came on, that there are people that can tell exactly where every gallon of oil came from just by you know doing a DNA, essentially a DNA on it, right? I mean, it's not like you can you can you can slip a tar sands oil in on, on some place in Pennsylvania and they don't notice the difference. I mean, it's a huge. I mean, it, so what do you what do you make of this uh, Russian Russian price? Uh, Sixty two bucks on their oil stuff. Essentially, using the the insurance companies to discipline it. What do you, what do you make of that? Didn't read anything about that. My uh, my Bluetooth plate got out of me. Say that again. So, what do you make of this uh, attempt to cut the Russian oil down to sixty bucks a barrel or sixty two or whatever it is? <laughs> I mean, good luck with that. Are they going to enforce that? Well, they're attempting to do it through the insurers. Mm-hmm. They're saying you can't insure anything for that Russian oil for over that price. So. Russia's running around and buying up all those oil tankers that you had in storage. <laughs> so, so if you, want, if you want some old rusty old thing coming into the Gulf of Mexico, I guess we, I guess we solved the problem, right? But what if the thing starts to leak? Yeah, no, I mean they, they can make their attempts. I don't know really the, the extent of what the enforcement power is on that, because the insurance companies are making money off it. So, you know, one way or another. So that, that's a tough one. But there's one thing I, I, I wanted to touch on before I, uh, um, before I got off today. And uh, did you see the Heisman Trophy uh, balloting, uh, the, the finalists? Um, I did. I hope that kid in Michigan at least made the finalists. Kid who got hurt. No, he didn't. Uh, no, he didn't. What? Blake Corum did not make it. And um, they took four quarterbacks. One of them, who's uh, C.J. Stroud, who had worse numbers than he did last year. Okay? Um, They took Caleb Williamson, who got blown out in the semifinal game, or in the USC, um, in the the championship game in the Pac-10. Yeah. They took Stetson Bennett, who's the... um, the quarterback for Georgia, which is, you know, I mean, that's okay. I could take that. But uh, definitely, um, leaving Blake Quorum out, I think one of two things happened. And my sources are telling me that Michigan told them, stick it. We're not bringing him. He just had surgery. You guys aren't going to give it to him anyways. He's going to stay in Ann Arbor. He's going to rehab. He's going to... I don't think he's going to come back for the semifinal game. I don't know the, the serious of the injury, but I think they just, he's left out, and we won't know the information. My sources are, are telling me that they said, you know what, take your take your Georgia people and your Ohio State people. You put C.J. Stroud in there, who underperformed from last year, we're not bringing Blake Corum, and I, I'm, I, I'm glad. Well, if he dressed like the kid in Southern Cal and got on TV as much as he did, maybe he'd be in. Yeah. Have you read about Blake Quarmall, what he does with his NIL money and his background as a kid growing up? With his NIL money, he, he donates almost all of it. He uh, On Thanksgiving Day, uh, or the week, it was uh, the week before Thanksgiving, after he got hurt against Illinois, he showed up and he handed out 300 turkeys. To, uh, I did, I did read that. And he stood there at the side of the car, and he talked to every kid that was in the car, and talked to them, and gave them the free turkey. What so you, it's a snob. Um, 
The other thing I'm shocked about is we're a nine-and-a-half-point favorite over TCU, and Georgia's only a seven-point underdog to Ohio State. So those spreads don't make any uh, you know, any sense to me. Wait, 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 I want wait, Michigan to win wait, 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 by one. You know that. Georgia, um, Georgia's, Georgia can't be an underdog to Ohio State. I, I mean, Georgia's only yeah. favored by seven. Well, Mich- I'm, I'm just happy my, my guys were all over. It's going to be Michigan-Ohio State. They're not going to do that. They're not going to have a... You know the two people in the same conference. Besides, Ohio State's probably uh, you know Ohio State deserves to pl- they they weasel their way in. They should have to pay or they should have to play Georgia. I would say. I mean, I think right. they did, I think they did it right. I think Michigan will handle also, handle uh, I, TCU. Also, I can't I can't clarify. I don't know this for sure, but I think there's something in the BCS bylaws that say that in the first round at least they try and avoid conference matchups. I would. At all I, I read that too. I don't know. So, if it's a, I don't know if it's a. Policy or, or you know a rule which can be broken, but uh, I think it's more like a policy. But it makes sense, you know. You wouldn't want don't want that re- that repeat until they're both one and two. Yeah, and it, it was nice to see Bama get left out, especially yeah. after uh, you know Nick Saban did all that panhandling on every national TV outlet that would allow him to come on to. Um, they did have some injuries at the games that they lost, but you know, two losses is two losses. And, yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm just looking forward to it. Looking forward to the you know the matchup. Harbaugh is finally delivering on you know what they brought him here for. I also like the move that he made by just telling everyone to you know that said oh he's going to the pros again and he already put that rumor to rest. So that's going to help recruiting for next year. Um, and we have a you know, great group of assistant coaches. We're a young team too, yeah. Chief. I mean Ed, that that's a thing that's exciting too. All right, hey, uh, next week let's talk a bit more about the. Uh the new 12-team playoff format. Let's put Listen, I got. I will email you, but I'm out next week, Chief. Okay, fair I'm enough. Out mm-hmm. next week. I'll email you, okay? All right, SB Futures up three. Nancy Futures up 22. Be right okay. back. Mr. Kenny Polkiri. You suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708 403 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade 
every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices, along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Hello, no big stacks and jacks. I'm Mr. Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures not only up 175, we were pushing forward, now we're creeping back. Uh, NASDAQ Futures up 17. I'm not sure why we're wandering back and forth here, but we are. Mm. Do we have Mr. Kenny? We do indeed. Kenny, how are you? We do. What's a good word? What the word, the What's word the is that once again the markets overreact. There wasn't anything new yesterday that should have caused the markets to react. When they said the equal data was strong, oh my God, the Fed's going to consider higher rates. Look, we're, we're already at five and a quarter percent. Anyone who thinks that we're still expecting 4.75% is ridiculous. They announced it uh, on October 18th when they sent Neil Kashkari out there hinting that the rate could be as high as five and a quarter percent. And so I thought the markets were, were, were okay with five and a quarter percent. And then remember, Two weeks after that, Jimmy Bullock came out and said, well, it could really be between 5 and 7. So he put it out there in the public square so that people were aware of it. So then yesterday's reaction, when the data was strong, oh, my God, the Fed's going to raise rates. Where have these people been? Yeah. Right? And actually, it's not the people. It's the algorithms, right? You and I have had this conversation. The algorithms don't understand the tone of the conversation. They don't understand the meaning when you and I have a conversation. All they do is react to words. Is the word positive? Is it negative? Is it, you know, is it aggressive? Is it dovish? Is it hawkish? And so, therefore, when the headline hits the tape that the economic data is strong, the algos go into panic mode. Oh, my God. And so they sell the market off. And so what happens is everyone gets dragged down with it, which is actually, in my opinion, as a long-term investor, I think it's great because it creates short-term, it creates chaos, which then creates opportunity, right? If you've got the money and you're ready and you understand it and you're not panicking, and I think it, then I think uh, uh, it creates opportunity. So look what's happening today. Then they enlist Goldman Sachs last night after the bell come out with a with with a note. So Goldman Sachs publishes a note late last night saying, "Well, the worst is over, and the inflation, you know, the inflation monster is, is on its way out. And while it's not dead yet, we're getting there. And you know, the Fed's going to remain aggressive, but not too aggressive, right? So they try to calm everybody down. And futures are up today. They're not big right now. They're up thirty five points. But my guess is they're going to rally back. Uh, today and take back at least some of what they lost yesterday. I would agree. I, I would. Uh, I'm thinking some of it, Kenny, is uh, the last Wednesday was incredibly overdone to the right. ups, to and the upside. Way so overdone. So we're and I, I think the the fabric in a market is just as you and I, I think, agree on this is just horrendous. I mean, they, they all of a sudden they come. They, the guy comes out with the incredibly dovish, mealy mouth interview or whatever. Whatever. Right. As you know, I'm not. A, I'm not a huge fan. And uh, basically told people that he's they're going to do a half a percent this month, and they're going to watch all the stuff. And if it keeps, I mean, the, the body language. I mean, I mean, as you and I know, because we're on we're on the air. It's not what you say and what people. It's what people hear. It's it's how you say it. Right. Sometime and right, I, that, exactly. I came away from but that most they, dovish thing I've ever heard. They said they're going to raise rates. You know, we already decided back in October that it was going to be. Uh, 75 in November, which it was, and then 50 in December, 50 in January, 25 in March. That gets you to five and a quarter percent, right? That gets you between 475 and five and a quarter. So it gets you to what the market should have been expecting. So there should have been no real reaction unless yesterday's headline really meant 
that in fact we're going higher than five and a quarter percent. But Jimmy Bullard already said that's a possibility. So people should have should be factoring that in anyway, which is why you need to remain cautious and not just get you know giddy about oh my god, right? The market's rallying. Let's jump in on everything. You can't. You have to be much more specific and much more um, um, determined in what you buy. You got to do your homework. You just can't buy passively and just buy everything because there are going to be names in there that you should know, right? Well, which is why it's much more of a stock picker's market, which is why guys like you excel in a market like this. Actually, I'm not I'm not that much of a stock picker, but you know how we're, we're actually doing pretty good, Kenny? I mean, I mean, obviously, the market's not really going anywhere, but we've been, uh, every time, because we do the, everybody's protected, and we have options on top of the, uh, yep. everybody's yep. position, It's especially in the gold, and even now in the, in the, in the Russell today, we, uh, whenever it's been down, we, we've been just doing the dutiful regular adjustments. Exactly. When, it, when it runs up, you know, we, we, we sell something. When it runs back down, <laughs> we buy it in. And, and uh, you know, we're caught on a couple of calls. I'm not going to say everything's perfect. It isn't. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, um, if you just do your routine stuff, if you're essentially a buyer low and a seller high, this has been a pretty good period. But I, got, I have a question for you. You, uh, I mean, you're you know you're a, a man who's in the news and on the tip of the stuff, and you debate with the rest of the best guys on TV and so forth regarding. Um, is there a chance you and use could be becoming a, a little fed phobic in the sense that that is that is the news that's all anybody talks about all day long. I mean, on, on your old station CNBC, God, it gets nauseating. But the uh, in, in fact, we did a I don't know if you listened to our show on Friday, but Carl was on, and Carl's our a, uh, labor expert. And they came out with this, uh, you know, two hundred sixty thousand hour, sixty sixty thousand, two hundred sixty thousand people jobs. And and Carl said, if you dug beneath the, the sheets, you found a lot of stains. Um, that actually was one of the worst things he's seen in a while. The, the household survey, unadjusted, showed like three hundred thousand jobs lost. It was like the yeah. biggest spread he's ever seen. I I think there's a chance. I mean, I mean again, you and I, we're both too old to know that. Debating why the market did what it did is a is a fruitless debate. <laughs> right? You know, right. I mean, you know, the market is down. Is is Kenny Polcari leaves the can? You know, okay. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know, I guess I guess we could lob that one out there, but I don't know if anybody would believe it. Um, I, I'm not so sure that the the reason why I think the Fed is going to back up is I think if they pause even a month, you know, half a percent. By January or February, they, they might be in, be in beset with labor numbers and everything else that they haven't even anticipated. I, I, I think these 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 labor stuff is in is in bad bad shape. And from what what Carl says, which makes sense, the difference is the establishment survey. If I call Walmart and you just got hired as a greeter, you're that counts. That's a new job. Okay. Right. But if I call right. your house and your wife answers the phone or whoever and says, is Kenny working? The answer is yes. She doesn't say he now has two jobs. So in one of the one of the surveys, you count your two and three jobs, and the other one you don't. That's a, right. that's a massive difference in the economy we see right now, I think. I agree. Listen, the guys from First Trust also put out a note yesterday, which I thought was very interesting, was when you looked at the NFP report, the number of hours worked actually dropped. Right. Even though they said, you know, we created 200,000 jobs, the number of hours worked dropped, which they said translated into a loss of 250,000 jobs. It's the exact same thing so, Carl said. 
exact same thing Carl said. He said that's a yeah, massive yeah. number. Very, yes, very interesting because because I, when I read that stat yesterday, I go, wow, that's interesting. I've never heard it explained that way, right? And and I only saw it yesterday from the first trust guy. I didn't see it from anyone else. Now you tell me somebody else said it. So it's going to be interesting to see how um, uh, you know how this unfolds, right? Well, think of, well, think of right. the think of the math for a second. We got one hundred and hundred and twenty million people working. Let's right. say it's a forty-hour week. And all of a sudden, right. the forty goes from to thirty-nine point eight. What's what's point two times one hundred and twenty million people? For God's sake, exactly right. Yeah, exactly right. But I had never heard it explained that way, which is why I thought that analysis just thing was very interesting, right? Which is why I think there's a complete disconnect. That's um, why you and I keep doing this. We keep learning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, well, <laughs> we learn something new every day. Well, that's a, hey, I got a question <laughs> for you. Uh, you. You might have already reported on this. I just was reading this thing. I've never heard of this idea of trying to get somebody's price, Russian oil price, down by by going after the insurers and saying you can't insure them for over that price. What? You ever, yeah, you ever heard of yeah. That well, right it's there? all new to us, right? It's all it's all new now that they're trying to impose these price caps to try to force compliance, right? And so if they if they tell the insurers you can't insure them, then you know that supposedly hits Russia, you know, in the pocketbook. But we'll see how that goes because I'm not sure who's going to abide by it and who isn't. Right? India's already said. They're not paying attention to the price cap. They need oil. They're going to buy it from Russia, and they're going to pay whatever they need to pay. But it'll be interesting to see how they get it there, right? They're going to have to get it there by boat. Who's going to insure that boat? Well, if, how, how are you going to feel if you're out on the Polkari Yatch in Florida and you see some some 80-year-old oil tanker go by without any insurance? It's kind of leaking all over the place. Is that going to be good for you? <laughs> yeah, that's going to be, that'll be the next problem. Right? Yeah, yeah. I just hope it doesn't happen off the coast of Palm Beach. Yeah, well, I, I don't know if it can happen anywhere, but, I mean, really? <laughs> I mean, it's amazing how people, no matter what happens, somebody will find a workaround, right? I mean, well, agreed. Let's go. Yeah, no, agreed. They, they will. They always do, right? The fact that the fact that uh, you know they were talking about Europe not being able to buy the Russian oil. Okay, so Russia will sell to India, and India will sell to Europe because at that point it's Indian oil, not Russian oil anymore. Well, I mean, right? uh, well, the question comes down, uh, <clears throat> and, and, and you know this. I mean, there are people that can. I've said this three times already. There are people that can can put a hypo in that oil, can tell you in thirty seconds exactly where it came from. So, right. So if yeah. if if the Russian oil ends up in New York Harbor or in New Orleans on an Indian on an Indian ship, are we putting people in jail or are we just going to let it go? Well, that that'll be the interesting question, right? Because then you could say, well, but it didn't come from Russia; it came from India. Yeah. No, 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 but it originated in Russia, right? But I remember. I, I don't know if you remember, you be- you were on uh, God, how many years ago? You were on, and we were talking about we we're going to Trump was in, embargoing essentially China. You and I yeah. were laughing about if the China ship does it have to stop in Saigon? Can it wave as it goes by, or, or what is it? What right. is it? Do they have to stop for the paperwork. Can they send a little launch in or, or a drone and come back with the paperwork and says it's now Vietnam blue jeans? That's right. Now, now it's from a different country, right? Yeah, you wonder. And I think that's I think that's going to be part of the issue. Look, Europe needs energy, right? However they get it, they need it. Otherwise, they're going to freeze to death. So, so yes, do I think, you know, are they going to turn a blind eye? Could they turn a blind eye if it comes all of a sudden from India? You know, it goes, well, it came from India. <laughs> you know? they, uh, just a real quick last question. Uh, does, does, does Europe do a lot of heating and electric with, with uh, heating oil, or is it all just gas and electric? Well, I, have, I, I have no idea. I actually thought that it was, uh, it, it used to be coal, then they, they moved off of coal, and they went to gas and oil. I think a lot of their stuff, though, is gas more than oil. I think so, too. Uh, but I don't know that for sure. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm surprised. I mean, the gas prices here, we're not leading the country, but we're down to 
three fifty, say in the Burbs, three sixty. Yeah, but remember, gas in Europe exploded in yeah. uh, in the early fall, right? Weren't they paying? Not, we were paying nine dollars up. They're paying ninety dollars. Right, I, I, I lied. But I promise. Last question: Do you are you? Do you know anybody who's trading this natural gas? God, you're either having the best mm. year of life, or you're getting eviscerated, yeah. one or the other. Yeah, no, I don't know anyone who's trading it, but I'm sure they are having a you know having a field day with it. Well, you're either going to you're either on the right sine wave or you're not. Right. <laughs> I mean, this thing was was six fifty last week, and now it's five fifty. I mean, it's yeah. We're talking twenty percent, and 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 the plus those contracts are massive. Yeah, it's all over the place. Yeah, no, I hear you. It's all over the place. All right, buddy, you take care of yourself. Who do you like in the, uh, right, the college football thing? You have a, out of the four. Say it again. Who do you like in the college football playoffs out of the four? Uh, you know what? It's not. I'm, I don't pay that much attention to it, so I'd be the, I'd be the last person to ask. All right, bud. We'll take care of yourself. SB Futures yeah. only up seventy five cents now. We were up, and uh, Nasdaq Futures up thirteen. Kenny thinks we're still going to be up on the day. We will see. Be right back, Professor Helsner. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body, too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, 
food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. stocks, and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. I didn't want to be an innovator. I just wanted to make the quick and easy bug. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. Time to know I'm Ed Byrne on the board. SP Futures now unchanged so much for Kenny Paul Carey calling a rally. Uh, we were unchanged, and then when we started sliding up, it looked like we had some conviction, and now uh, not so much. NASDAQ up 10. Speaking of quick and easy bucks, do we have uh, <laughs> Professor Hal Snar? We do indeed. All right, yeah. buddy. I'm on the I'm on the line. <laughs> you're, for quick and easy bucks, you're out there uh, betting foot, foot's ball and uh, everything else, and uh, I, I understand you're... Uh, you're, you're, you've become almost I, like Fast Eddie Felson, for God's sake. How's that for a reference? Well, I would uh, definitely go for, I'd definitely gamble on uh, Deion Sanders going to Colorado. Did you hear what he told his team? Uh, no. At Colorado? No. He said basically, uh, either get on the bus or get out. Jump at the portal because mm. I got all these kids that want to come in. So he's going to revamp Colorado. Probably, I, I think he could do something like uh, Lincoln Riley did at USC. Yeah, that's a. Uh, we had a little bit of a discussion on that, not so much on the air. One of my friends who's a, a retired coach out in, in California, and we went through the whole, the, the coaches that were renowned for, uh, uh, you know, getting rid of guys that they didn't want. It's, it's all about, I don't know, I'll, I'll, give the, I'll give the Cliff Notes version here, uh, Al, because I mentioned it last week, but if you've ever gone out, which I'm sure you have, if you've ever gone out to see one of these big teams practice, or any, any team, I mean, well, yeah, I spent four years at Notre Dame, so I mean, I, I know they were, they recruit their people in those days. I think you, I think you get to recruit forty a year, but you only have a hundred in scholarship. But then it was a four-year commitment you gave somebody. Now it's, it's a succession of one-year deals. Correct? There's no, there's no four-year scholarship. It's a well, I already year. hope it's one year because people are ending the transfer poll even before the season's well, up. Well, I mean, you, you, yeah. the school commits for a year to pay for a tuition yeah. for a year. Yeah. Uh, as for the kid, I mean, he can leave the second he gets there if he wants, but he yeah. or she. But uh, I mean, when you when you there there were people who were the f- the first guys I remember back when I was a Ute were Bob Devaney at, at Nebraska and who was Daryl Royal at Texas. Of course, that's not how you pronounce it if you're in Texas. Daryl, <laughs> you're like who? What? What are you talking? But anyway, that's how you pronounce well, it. Texas, Texas is very progressive. Their two pronouns are. Y'all and all y'all. Yeah, yeah. But they, <laughs> but the, the the trick with those guys was, uh, Bob Devaney was the first guy to, to essentially say, "I'm not getting." They didn't know what, they didn't know what stars were in those days, but I'm not getting the five and four star guys. So I'm going to get somebody here, and I'm going to, as a freshman, he's going to practice and he's going to go in the weight room, and he's not going to play. He's going to be here for five years if we want him. And at the end of freshman year. If he's not growing, if he's the same size he was he graduated high school, we'll find a way to get him the hell out of here, basically. 
And because in order for you to keep getting new people, you can only have now, it's only 85 people on, on rides. Of course, Alabama allegedly, we have a few extra that they put in the junior college down the road, and those guys are like waiting for a scholarship opening, allegedly paying their own tuition at the junior college and studying feverishly. Now, if you believe that, i got a bridge for you, right? But, the, <laughs> um, but anyway, so the, it's all... And, and, and as they don't get in trouble for it. Yeah, well, but it's all, it's all about, you know, say, say Notre Dame, say Michigan, the, the places that pay, I think play it fairly s- straight. Uh, out of those 85 people, if you had your, if you could wave your football wand and not your personal wand and your, you know, your... Uh, your religious wine, or whatever the hell's wine you're, you're wandering around with, um, there's going to be 25 people there who just didn't pan out. They're the, they're the 6'2", 200-pound white guy, not always white, that came out of high school, and guess what? Two years later, he's still 6'2". He's the lineman that didn't grow over the summer. He's something. And you're going to say, I like the kid. He's fast. He'll do anything I ask him. He's a special teams player, but really, he's never going to play. And uh, the, the good schools keep those guys maybe maybe you can go and play baseball or something if you're not really even going to practice but you're 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 not going to steal the scholarship and you can't transfer the scholarship over to baseball because i don't you probably know this but there's there's a pecking order in in scholarships and based on how much money the sport makes or if you did you know did you know that no i didn't know that um you you remember remember back in the day when when hal was young and i was young all of a sudden, some guy would would come off. The kicker would be a guy off the soccer team or some crap like that, mm. right? Well, you you can't do that now. If, if you give somebody a football ride, he can play baseball. He can play basketball. If you give somebody a basketball ride, he can play baseball, but he can't play football without giving him without switching that scholarship from basketball to football because football is like the senior program. So you're you're never going to find a guy on the baseball team. Who shows up with a baseball scholarship and he's a terrific center fielder? And oh, by the way, he happens to pay wide wide receiver on Saturday. That's not going to cut it. You've got to inc- yeah. exclu- uh, include him in the eighty-five football scholarships. So, yeah. you, know, you can, so you can't bring two guys on the soccer team. And all of a sudden, one's your punter and one's your place kicker, and, and they're not considered against your eighty-five. No, you can. Well, that makes sense because yeah. football is, you know, the big money sport. So that yeah. makes perfect sense. Now you, you can you can pay your own tuition and be a walk on, and not be part yeah. of the eighty five. But who wants to do that? Everybody else getting paid, right? So, it's it's it, it might be interesting. You know, I, I just that's why I love having you on, Hal, because we could talk about this like in economic terms about what's liable to happen in terms that nobody else is going to talk about this stuff. And you're the only guy that I can really bounce this off of. So, I mean, <laughs> but I mean, in, in reality, now. In some schools, you, I mean, let's say Michigan, well, I'll, I'll say Michigan, or Illinois. Uh, Illinois, is, I'm not exactly sure how the tuition works in Michigan. I'll, I'm going to guess, let's say Michigan State or Illinois. Say, say the kids from Michigan or Illinois. And uh, all of a sudden you've got 85 guys and you want this kid. Well, with his, with his image and likeness stuff, Name, image, and likeness of the NIL crap. What if you can get the kid fifty grand from one of these outfits, and he pays his own tuition, and he's not on scholarship, yeah. but he plays. Well, one of the problems with one of one of the problems with the, that money, that NIL money, that NIL money, is that and the kids that get it, if they're like Caleb Williams, who deserves it, and he deserves it, I and mean, he played 
three quarters with a popped hamstring Friday night, and he didn't want to quit. So that yeah. kid deserves it. His teammates respect him, and they respect the fact that he's getting that money, and he deserves it. But if you're a big-name recruit, like Texas a got all these big-name recruits, they got all this NIL money, and you're not producing, man, you know, that there's a lot of pressure on that kid, and he's going to get flushed pretty quick if he's not performing. Well, I think, so I, think, I, think schools, I think schools like USC, if they, if they give the NIL money to the legit kids and not just spread around to everybody, I think that's going to be a he- healthier version of it. Well, I, I think what, what's happening, and you may know better because you're, you're, you still got your, your fingers in the, in the pie at the universities, but I think it's immediately, it, it's, in, it's incredibly going. Let's let's say the the uh, the young who the two twin twin girls uh, from uh, was it Georgia Southern or someplace. Mm. I, I saw a picture of them once, and anyway, they're they're unconscionably gorgeous. They they got like the first thing going. I mean, they they were models right out of the gate, and they're on the volleyball team or something, swim team, volleyball team. Now that's name image likeness for those young ladies, okay? But football is is morphing totally away from that. It's become somebody is uh, the offensive line at Notre Dame or someplace so is, is going to have their own NIL. So somebody, you know, two law firms are going to come up with X number of bucks and they're going to have, you know, the Notre Dame offensive line or the Michigan defensive line or something is going to have to go, even if it's charity work for them or something, twice a month you got to show up, you got to show your face. And, oh, by the way, it's worth twenty five grand a year to, like, all the linemen. I mean, maybe the... Maybe the, uh, the the rookies get ten grand or whatever, but this is all part of the portal, part of the process. It's getting there real fast yeah. now. But that it's not your individual name, image, and likeness. It's not you know the handsome Hal Snar who happens to be the quarterback going out and doing a commercial. It's quickly becoming an organized thing. For if you're going to go to Notre Dame as a wide receiver, we got money for you, even though we don't know what the hell you look like. And we don't care. Yeah, I read an article yeah. about Ohio State and their NIL. Budget, according to this article, was exceeded that of uh, Major League Baseball teams. It was like fifty-four million dollars or something. But it, but it's not or the thing. It is million a class. But it's not their budget. That's what they're getting away from. Yeah. They're tr- somehow yeah. or another they're trying to. You know, uh, I don't know how you're going to do it. How are you going <laughs> to? Well, I can say something crude, but I won't. I mean, how do you? You know, how, how do you stay? How do you jump in the pool and, and stay dry? I mean. The, the, the athletic departments want to be able to direct this money, but it's clearly not theirs to give. So these things, from what my attorney buddy, who's involved in one of the Big Ten schools, it's these are limited LLCs that, that alumni are, I mean, I would think alumni, let's say boosters, are ponying money up to. They're, they're giving money to some LLC. Now, I don't know. You know, Tom, I kind of I, I think all we're seeing right now is we're just seeing how it has always run. And the, the uh, numbers are big because inflation's big, right? I mean, thousand dollars in nineteen seventy is you know five thousand dollars today. So I, I think all we're seeing is I think this is going on all along. Well, we, you now it's just allowed to happen, kind of. But you you couldn't you couldn't transfer immediately in those days. It, it wasn't available every year to you. It was available maybe yeah. once. Yeah. You know, and, and you couldn't if you were a star quarterback. As a sophomore, and you thought you could get money somewhere else, you had to you had to leave and sit out. Well, and you, you a were locked deal. in. Have you ever seen a movie? It was underrated, but I remember seeing this movie when I was in high school. It was a Robbie Benson movie called One on One. 
with a Neto tool, it it kind of shows you what happens at these schools, right? They bring yeah. you in with money and cars, right? And then you're kind of locked into four years, right? And you can't shift. Now the players have an option to get out of a bad situation. But if you haven't seen that movie, I, I recommend it. It's really good, and I think it's basically a critique of what was kind of happening at UCLA. Well, I, I knew... I mean, guys at, at Notre Dame, right, I, knew, I didn't know people at Notre Dame that did it, but I I know when I came out, there were guys in Chicago that had a couple of law firms and stuff, and they would certainly do their best to hire kids for the summer, back back when you could hire somebody for the summer. Now they're, now they're in summer school all the time. You can't even hire them. I mean, they're, never, they're, they're not available to you, but they would have interns. But you know what? I would say, hell, the kids always showed up. Now, whether they paid them more than they would a regular intern, probably. But they were here. I mean, if they were, they were here for eight weeks, they showed up every day, you know, type of thing. It was, it might have been a tad sleazy, and that somebody else might have been better for the job. But it wasn't like the kid didn't show up. I mean, it, I mean, it was. Well, all I gotta say, Tom, is I think it was going on, and it was probably bigger than we think it is because you look at the tattoos on kids that yeah. are supposedly poor. Those tattoos are not cheap. But so they're paying for that somehow. But I mean, I'm talking and, a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking. Well, like, like Kevin says, yeah, yeah. Kevin comes on. And I think it was it. always going on. It was just they would they would the NCA would act like they're the police force, but they would just punish a couple of schools. But they would let they'd let the the, the big schools go. But they, I mean, they weren't policing them. No, but Kevin Kevin comes in and uh, and he's you know he used to write for Notre Dame Irish Eyes, and he oh, he, wow. says, he, says, he says don't assume that all these kids are coming from the ghetto and don't have a dime. I mean, a real lot of these yeah, kids are yeah. coming from. Serious families, and by the way, they earn the seventy thousand dollars scholarship, so the parents are going to buy them a car because they don't have to pay the tuition. You know, you know don't assume yeah, they're yeah. dough. But I guess what yeah. I'm saying, Al, is we're we're opening this thing up, and I'm just curious. Well, I think a kid going to Notre Dame kind of fits that mold, or the what you know, go, the kid yeah. going to Stanford. I think Stanford and Notre Dame probably run the 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 most uh, ethical. I think. Uh, Football teams, but they they you know because I think I think you see that with Jones going to USC, he transferred from Stanford to USC because he wanted to have more fun. I yeah. think Stanford and Notre Dame are probably the more legit uh, of the the top programs. But the first group, <laughs> I'm just guessing, the first group I heard of to get the group speak on the NIL was the Notre Dame offensive line, a pizza a pizza joint in South Bend. Said, oh. said show up show up every Thursday. that was still pizzas, man. That was still pizzas. Yeah, well, they, they said on Thursday night, the offensive line is going to come from Notre Dame and they're going to get free pizza. You know, and then they're going to sit there and have <laughs> and then you can ask them questions if you want and so forth. That was like the first the first one where I where I immediately dawned on me that this isn't going to be because the left guard happens to be a movie star and he's getting it's going to be groups of people that are, yeah. that, are that are getting the stuff. Hey, uh. Well, uh, you remember Gesser from Washington State? It was yeah. common to see him uh, buying drinks endlessly at the Coog Bar on the camp near the campus of Washington State, and Gesser wasn't paying for that. <laughs> oh, I, uh, somebody else has covered his tab. I, uh, I can a real quick story, and we got to start talking about world events here because a lot of it has to do with economic theory. That's why I'm, I'm dying to talk. We have some time, a lot of time. Uh, I knew a guy, I'm not going to say it was my uncle, <clears throat> but he was on the, the Vice Squad way, way, way back in the day. And uh, some of the bars, my, my cousin used to go with him, or my mother's cousin, because, I mean, they've been dead a while. Uh, so you go into a place, 
and, he, and, the, and the, the cousin would want to pay for it. And he goes, no, no, you, you don't understand. They put down 20, and they get two drinks. And the guy would give him change for 20. And uh, he'd say, well, he didn't take your 20. <laughs> <laughs> and then they'd get, a, they'd get a second round, and he'd get change again. You know, so... And then they'd, they'd wind, he'd leave a tip, and they'd wander out. <laughs> well, wait, wait a minute! Wait a minute! We we just got you know eighteen dollars twice, and by the way, our twenty's still with us. <laughs> so there's yeah. I wonder. I wonder if the Venmo thing that the IRS is rolling out, the six hundred dollar uh, max. I wonder if that has anything to do with all this nil, because now it's just out in the open, right? Well, I, that's one of the things, things, that, things that make you go. Hmm. Well, we'll, right. we'll 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 pick on this every week because it's evolving, but because I. <laughs> I mean, because I, I want to ask you about the process, because you know more about the Bitcoin than me. I, the the process is, is okay. I'm going to give my money to. I'm not going to give it to the Notre Dame Athletic Department, so it's no, it's not essentially tax deductible. Okay, so I'm going to give it to uh, Hal Snars LLC for giving money to uh, Ohio State kids, and uh, so I I contribute that there. Now, am I a partner? But I just give money. Are we going to Are we going to try and get Hundred thousand dollars. I'll use the term pizza joint, and give the kids eighty, because we have to have something for the next year in kids. We can't just take hundred thousand dollar uh, contribution from Hale Snyder. Now, I, I got to believe if they piss away all that dough, you got you got a loss there, right? You just you essentially lost in something, and and the, and the kid well, now, uh, and the kid and the kids it, now going to get it. Transactions aren't paying dividends. And people are actually losing money on these cash gifts through the NL system. You're, you're going to see it. Uh, you know, maybe the, the first year it's massive, but you know, maybe in year two, people are finding out that the, the return on these investments aren't uh, panning out. You might see it drop off a lot. Well, that- I think what you're going to see is the top recruits, the ones that really deserve it, or the ones that are really legit, like Caleb Williams. I think they're going to continue to get the money, but I don't think it's going to be just given willy-nilly to people. But I don't the, think it's going to work that but way. But the funding arms have to at least cover their expenses, so you don't yeah. have to go back to yeah. people every year. Because what do I do? I give somebody a hundred grand if I ever wanted to. Uh, if I give somebody a hundred grand at the end of the year, they say, "Okay, we pissed away our hundred grand. We gave it to the quarterback." All right. So yeah, I get, well, I, like I, the pizza I, restaurant in Chicago. Yeah. I mean, if they're not generating, I mean, it's basically advertising, right? If they're not generating uh, more in revenue. Uh, enough to cover the amount they gave to the O line at Notre Dame. Yeah, they're going to stop doing it. Well, right? so they're going to make those calculations. But I'm not, I don't want a hundred thousand dollar capital loss that I can only take three thousand a year. If I if I really like the place, I, if I give them a hundred thousand dollars for a charitable do, uh, donation, at least I get to take off thirty five, right, or thirty nine, whatever my yeah. Right. So I mean, so the way I, way I look at it, it's just marketing, right? You, you give these the, this group of offensive linemen. Eighty thousand dollars in benefits, food, or, or or cash payments, and you're doing it because you want to bring notoriety to your restaurant. And if your sales aren't going up by at least that amount, I, I can see. I would the, agree. The, the restaurant scaling that back. Well, I would I would absolutely agree. Uh, but yeah. but I'm, I guess what I'm saying is now the kid is going to get he's going to have to get a ten ninety nine because this is not coming from the university, right? I mean, this is income. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I'm saying the. Pr- I don't know. I don't know why well, I'm, I'm so hung up with. He's going to be. He's going to be. He's going to be introduced to taxation pretty quick. Yeah, I'm, I'm all hung up on, on a procedure because you know in my business, yeah. everybody's asking me in the last week or two, how are people losing all this money in, in this crypto and these firms that are going bankrupt, and and I, 
I, you know, I like to tell people. I was telling some people last night. We stopped for. Uh, I met some guys. who were out of town for a while, and I, I said, you know, if 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 you, I'm going to walk into this. What is this Genesis from? Replace it. Just went belly up this week. A Genesis. Whatever the hell name of it is. And it, I don't. I don't know. The people are giving these people their crypto, their Bitcoin as collateral and getting a loan. All right. So I don't know how you. Now, in, in, in our in our business, it's 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 very straight. It's very easy. If you've got, if you're looking to get a, a loan for a yacht, if you want, or you're not going to get a yacht for this kind of money, you could deposit, uh, you know, a thousand shares of IBM, which is trading. What the hell is it? Let's say 150 bucks. All right, that's 150 grand. If you want to take a loan up to 75 grand, that that loan is set by the Fed. We can lend you that loan. If IBM starts to go down, you've got to maintain a maintenance of 30%. The the IBM stock, RBC or IB, can, can kick it to a bank, and the bank will loan them money on it. There's there's a way this this happens, and they can, if if you say you're not gonna, you're not gonna pay up, and the stock drops, they can sell something. For, and there's there's all kinds of there, there's procedures in place that protect everybody all along the line, right? So now. Somehow, some way, this Bitcoin, which you you talked before, and we'll start this before the break. Uh, you you mentioned that the system, the way it's done, with everybody having there's there's nobody monitoring it. Uh, so if you go in and you buy some Bitcoin, you're going to get your Bitcoin. You're going to have your wallet. You're going to have your password. You're going to have nobody can touch basically your crap. I mean that, that's that's sort of the way it's marketed, correct? And now here, yeah. I uh, mean, if 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 you have the keys. If you have the keys, you have the coin. If you lose the keys, you lose the coin. This is how it works with Bitcoin. I'm not buying any other no, but I'm saying currency. I'm not buying tokens. Right, so how do I... I'm buying Bitcoin with... And I'm going to have the keys, and if I don't have the keys, I don't have the coin. And a lot of people that are buying into these exchanges, they're giving these people money, and it's kind of like buying gold paper. You don't own gold, you own paper. What happens if the company goes bankrupt? Well, well, well I mean, this, there's all these people... Right, having this, demand on the gold, they don't have enough gold. People get shortchanged. But this, so I'm not buying Bitcoin unless I get the key. Right. So this particular place allowed me to pledge you my Bitcoin, much like IBM stock. But IBM stock, we actually get the stock, and it's right there, and everybody knows what yeah. it is, and it's identifiable. There's probably numbers on the shares, right? Uh, and so how, how do I how do I pledge my Bitcoin without giving somebody else? all the keys like if I already sold it to them. Well, right? that, that's, the, that's the funny thing is they weren't selling you Bitcoin. They were selling you tokens. No, no. I'm right? talking about and this. Then, maybe, yeah. you didn't, maybe you didn't read the one this week. The one this week, you pledged your Bitcoin as collateral and they gave you a loan. Sim- simple transaction. So what happened is... Well, which company was this? Genesis was or this? the guys this, this week. Gen- Genesis? Matt, please do me a favor. Look okay. that up, was it? But they, they were... So here's... These people, I, I won't say they're so dumb, but... The, so the place has your Bitcoin as, uh, and they, which means they can sell it whenever they want. So you must have had to kick yeah. over your key or your password or something. Which I, that's what I'm asking you. I don't know. And then and I, don't, I don't know why I'm so hung up on this because procedure, I guess, is my life because I don't want anybody to lose money. And and the and at the end of the day, some of these guys got worried about the Bitcoin in the place, so they paid off their loan and said, "Give me my Bitcoin back." And they say it's gone. We don't have it. Well, then where is it? I mean, how could they sell it? And if they did sell it, there has to have been some record of who they sold it to. How could it just be gone? When when, when the whole idea of Bitcoin in the first place was how secure it all was. I mean, I'm, I'm well, just, see, the, the, the problem with that is it's like putting your, 
your uh, gold coin in a goldsmith of uh, safe, you know, 300 years ago, right? Yeah. Eventually, they found out that these receipts could be exchanged for money. And instead of going to the goldsmith to get your gold to pay for your ale at the alehouse, you just use your gold receipt. But then they figured out, well, I can I can make loans out of I can make loans and create money. Um, and the problem with that is, if the desired reserve rate uh, on it, you know, the market reserve rate is like say twenty percent. As long as the economy is doing fine, there's no bank run. But as soon as the economy goes into the tank, everybody runs to the bank, pull their gold out, and they have too many loans out. And so instead of getting uh, one gold coin for one gold receipt, you get a fraction of it. That's exactly what's going on with these these uh, exchanges. When you sign your coin over to the company, right, you no longer have the keys. They, they have the keys. You no longer have your coin. And so when the company goes under and they made too many loans and were, they were too leveraged, there's not enough coin to go around. And the person that went to the company to get their gold coin, their Bitcoin back, and the company says there's no more Bitcoin, but that's just because they were the last in line. They were the last in line of the bank run, and it's all gone by now. Well, but but somebody, I guess, I, I understand the theory. I understand what you're talking about. But I don't, I don't get the whole idea of Bitcoin was like this could never happen. It was yours. You couldn't, you couldn't lend it to somebody. You couldn't do anything. It, that was the whole. Well, you can sign any asset over to somebody, and you can give them, like, I don't know, a power of attorney, right? Well, I guess uh, so uh, people were probably signing this over, and the company was. I mean, it's like eBay. eBay, when you buy uh, some valuable sports property, memorabilia on yeah. eBay, eBay has a service now where they'll store it for you in perfect conditions, perfect humidity, oh, yeah, perfect it. temperature, and you never, and that never moves from eBay. Now, if eBay starts making loans off of this stuff, and they start doing what SDF yeah. did, right, um, and all of a sudden it's a run on eBay, well, that ass is going to be sold to cover their losses. I, the guy that originally purchased it, they're going to like say, well, you had to sell your bat because we were over-levered. Well, let's just, we're going to have a break uh, here. Somebody else got it. I, I understand the whole, because that's what people do all day long. That's what we do for people. Yeah. I mean, in terms of, yeah. my whole point was, my nephews and everybody else and everybody who is Mr. Bitcoin would tell me how fantastic this thing is. The thought of you ever being able if to... You, if you keep your coin, if yeah. you keep your coin in a USB drive or on your phone in cold storage, if you keep it, it's awesome. But if you give somebody the rights to it, you're going to be out of luck well, see, when that company goes under. See, that's what I thought you could never do. The thought of ever being able to put Bitcoin in street name is what I'm stunned at. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so well, I'll, uh, just, I'll just be stunned. FTX was doing that. You weren't actually buying Bitcoin. Yeah. When I found out that Coinbase was complying with Justin Trudeau's uh, tyranny uh, and locking people out of their, their uh, crypto, their Bitcoin, as soon as I found out that he was doing that, they were doing that, I, I basically took my Bitcoin out of Coinbase and I put it in my cold storage on my cell phone. Mm. And now it's on my phone and I have the keys. Okay. I just got to make sure I don't forget where the keys are. Right. Okay. Well, it's uh, I, I get it. I mean, I, I guess I'll, I'll yeah. stop asking these it's questions. Like, it's like if done. you put your gold coin in a goldsmith safe, and you get these receipts, and you use the receipts, these bank notes or gold gold notes to make purchases around town. I just you, uh, the the gold coin is in the bank, right? Yeah, I I I, I, yeah. I, I would admit just being naive when when it always explained to me the Bitcoin. It was designed yeah. so that you could never do something like that. It turns out they found a way for you to do it. Well, you know, people people will sign their rights away oh, yeah. to stuff, mm-hmm. and you know, some people just aren't reading the fine print when they 
get involved in these exchanges. Well, that's the thing. Uh, they had, they had no they had no yeah. documents that, like we give yeah. people when you do that. There was no documents anybody even had to read. This is crazy. SP well, there's are, probably a, a quick to accept the rules, right? And then people don't read, read the rules. I don't. I don't and they're basically giving up their rights to that coin. I, yeah, I don't. I don't I mean. Let's put it this way: in our business, the rules are right there for everybody to see, and everybody kind of knows. SP futures up three fifty. Yeah, they choose up 24. Be right back, Stocks and Jacks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. stocks, and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, Norpex Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell, Matt Burn on the board. Here's a quote from, from on high. Jamie Dimon says inflation eroding consumer wealth may cause recession next year. I'm going to uh, say that inflation has, cons- has been eroding consumer wealth for at least 22 years, but that's that would just be me. Uh, <laughs> SB Futures up 2, Nancy Futures up 20, Dow Futures down 22. So we went from being down a little bit to look like we were moving up north, and then all of a sudden uh, we're just kind of flatlining here, which is kind of strange. Uh and right after Kenny said we're going to have a nice rally today. Well, as soon as we got him off the air, the market sold off. Uh, DAX up 27.2%. I'm sorry, down 27.2%. Puts you down 26.3%. 
Kakaron down 11.2%. So Europe is moderately lower, but but boring. Nikkei up 65. Talk about boring. Up 2.2%. Uh, Shanghai up 70. Up 72 cents. Let's call that one flat. Hang Seng finally down, but only 77 bucks. 0.4% again. 14.5 to 19.5 and maybe two weeks. That's a massive rally over there. Of course, they got hammered on the way down pretty fast, but uh, bonds down six basis points, 3.54, and I would have I would have bet had I been a betting man that we were going to stay over four, but we are not. Uh, Boon down seven basis points, 1.8. I might also have thought they would stay over two. They are not. Japan, however, is staying right at 0.25 no matter what happens. Oil down a buck. They were, I think we were, we call oil yesterday, I think. Well, Matt, you weren't here. I think it was $82 mm. during the show. Now it's $75.83. A huge turnaround mm. yesterday. Rent down a buck six. At $81.61. Natural gas. And again, I would have never have thought to short this at $6.30. And now it's $5.46. Down a dime. See, I don't I don't have the stones for this natural gas trading, guys. So just, I just yeah. don't. Our Bob down a penny. 2.18. We've got gold up $9.90. $17.91. Making, trying to make a run back at $1,800 where it was last week. Silver up twenty cents, twenty two sixty two. Copper up two cents, three eighty one. We've got Bitcoin up eighty five bucks, barely hanging over seventeen thousand, seventeen thousand zero one four. And I got a trade for you in Bitcoin. One guy yesterday said it's going down to five thousand. Another guy said it's going up to two fifty. So mm. pick your spot. One or the other. Yeah. One or the other. <laughs> we got the uh, the dollar is uh, is down. Euro is up nineteen basis points to one oh five. Uh, Germ- or a British pound is up 20 basis points to 122, so not much movement there. What do you got for us, uh, Trevor? Go to sports, man. Yeah, good morning. Currently 7.37 a.m. on December 6, 2022. Uh, traffic in Chicago is an accident inbound on the Kennedy. Occurred at Armitage Avenue, exit 48A. Traffic currently moving around the accident scene. So nothing much Nothing much to worry about there. Uh, weather in Chicago, right now 41 degrees, mostly cloudy. Expect a high of 44 degrees today. Temperature is supposed to be identical tomorrow as well. In Phoenix, 55 degrees and cloudy. Expect a high of 66 degrees in the afternoon. Week 13 of the NFL wrapped up last night with New Orleans Saints at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Buccaneers won by a narrow 17-16. Tonight in the NHL, we'll see the Blackhawks take on Jersey Devils in Newark. Game starts at 6 p.m. Central Time. Hawks 7-13 this season. Dolphin now, Chief. Back to you. The uh, f- final word, the name of this company is uh, Celsius, uh, Hal, the one that just went under. And it, oh. And here's a guy... They gave a. It was a four to one deal, so you had to give him a hundred thousand bucks in uh, Bitcoin to get twenty five thousand dollar loan, right? So the guy does that, and then he decides that the price is coming down on the Bitcoin. So rather than get a margin call, he gives them the, he gives them the twenty five grand for the loan back. Then they say we don't have your crypto. Yeah, but they oh, took man. they they took the check. Wow. <laughs> how 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 sleazy. Yeah, <laughs> There's a knight. There's a knight in uh, medieval Europe that comes home from the Crusades, and he gives back the goldsmith uh, his gold notes because he didn't want to take his gold coin to the Middle East to Israel. And the goldsmith is no longer in business. Sounds like a story that repeats a lot. Well, what happened to the the uh, all the Jewish people that put their money in the uh, Swiss banks? And after the war, yeah. obviously, they a lot of them didn't make it with the concentration camps yeah. and stuff. Yep. So their kids went to get this, to get the stuff, and the bank said we can't give it to you without a death certificate. And that was the gold bullions, mm. right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. And it was a uh, yeah. pretty nasty. Uh, what do you on an economic, yeah. not on a policy? Well, be be free to go with the po- policy. But what do you think about this economic uh, thing in this oil? I'm I'm fascinated by the mechanism here. I just I've got an article here written by uh, uh, Sylvia Amaro, and we've we've 
we've quoted her stuff for hers before. She does good stuff. It's the uh, um, this is this has to do with this Russian stuff. The EU, along alongside the G7 in Australia, agreed on Friday to limit the purchases of Russian oil to sixty dollars a barrel as part of a concerted effort to control Moscow's ability to fund its war in the Ukraine. The price cap came into force on Monday. In essence, the measure stipulates oil produced in Russia can only be sold with the necessary insurance approval at or below $60 a barrel. And insurance companies are mostly based in G7 nations. I, I've, I don't really have ever heard of that kind of trick before where you, you basically tell the insurance companies you're only, you're only going to insure up to 60 bucks. So evidently if, uh, if somebody buys it at 85 from the Russians and something happens along the way, they're, they're bleep out of luck for the 25 bucks, and they don't think nobody will, anybody will do that. Do you, have you ever heard anything like this? Seems weird economically. Well, I mean, I mean, if they can force uh, Russian crude down to $60 a barrel, you're going to get, it's a price cap, so you're going to get a massive, you're not going to get any conservation. People are going to want to buy it at the $60 a barrel. Um, but Russia's not going to produce it. They'll just turn off the spigot uh, rather than produce it. But I suspect Russia's going to sell it probably to China. And then a Chinese company will uh, sell it as an arbitrage uh, somehow to Western markets. So I, I think either it, it gets out or if they can't sell it to China, Russia's just going to scale back its production. We're gonna have this huge demand for it, and it's gonna create a shortage. I think that you and I should. So either either it gets out and it's sold in an arbitrage via China Chinese companies, and it just floods the market and it has no effect, or it has an effect and Russia just scales back its production. I think we should go downstairs in my building to a vacant small office, put a shingle up, Hal and Chiefs import export business, <laughs> and I think in a month we can make more here than we ever do it ever did in our, our regular business our whole life. Possibility by change by changing sixty dollar oil and eighty five dollar oil or seventy eight dollar oil. <laughs> so a Chinese uh, company. Yeah, or whatever. I, gu- I guarantee. I guarantee these people in power, they probably have. Uh, I mean, if if it if it goes through China and then it's sold uh, on world markets via Chinese arbitrage, I, I guarantee these people in the EU, the United States, and Australia, the people pushing this policy, I guarantee they're they're going to get some of that action. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, I because you know, it, it, it's really predictable, right? You, you impose this uh, binding price ceiling on Russian crude. Ru- uh, Russia's not going to produce any. It's not, and that's not going to even get close to the, what people want to purchase quantities at. And then, because Russia wants to sell it, they're going to find a way to sell it, and it's not going to have any effect in the end. It's not going to have any effect in the end if these arbitrations happen through China or Brazil or Iran or. Um, India, right? India and China are the biggest markets on the planet, so I'm sure Russia's going to be able to sell it in India and China. And then India and China, India and China won't have to buy their oil from other countries. So it's, it's going to have absolutely no effect. I mean, this whole thing is just one big uh, policy uh, political football. It's not going to have any effect, in my opinion, on the world oil prices. So it's, it's not going to be like... India, China... And they'll just not buy their oil from other other places. So it's not going to be like, uh, okay, we'll we'll pay sixty dollars a barrel, but we'll uh, we'll 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 pay to get it here. We'll give the captain a bonus, and oh by the way, we'll ship you uh, uh, two tons of wheat 
on a sly, but it'll be sixty bucks. I mean, it, I mean, this is whenever you try and that's why I'm ask, asking you, uh, a free market economist, whenever you try and do something like this, whenever there's any kind of a, a barrier, somebody figures out a way to work around it. But didn't Saddam Hussein's kids get a lot of the dough, and then we were trying to buy Iraqi oil cheaper back in back? Yeah, in, I mean, whatever government imposes, like these speed bumps. Yeah, I mean, all they are is speed bumps. People just drive around them. And then the, then the people that impose these things have to decide whether they're going to prosecute people. So all they do is they turn people into criminals. That's all they do. Well, and Russia's going to be able to sell its oil. China and India are going to look like laugh at the EU, the United States, and Australia and say, we're going to buy it. We'll buy it at the market world price. And then they just won't buy it from countries that produce oil. Well, I don't, so I don't, It's not going to have any effect on the world oil price. Well, I don't, I don't know how... I don't know if, if oil prices... I used to know all this stuff... Uh, was free on board which side? But in other words, if, if I bought oil in Saudi Arabia for pick a number eighty bucks, do I have to show up with my ship, pay all the expenses of loading it, pay all the expenses of getting it through the Suez Canal, which is like half a million bucks, by the way, uh, and do all that crap to get it here? I could just as easily say I'll buy it at at sixty bucks, and I'll pay all that or, or something. I mean, you could turn it around some way to which whatever it is, some of the other guys paying uh, you. I'll give you a quick example. You could use this in class, uh, Hal, if you ever want to. When I first showed up in, uh, in the trading floors, the if you had a broker do an order for you, if you're on the floor, and say, I, you know, I'm, tra- I'm trading the OEX, but I, I didn't want to spread, I wanted to do an IBM. Uh, there'd be an independent broker that'd be happy to work my order for me. Probably several that were competing. And there was, a, there was an exchange list of prices. But because the business had gotten pretty good, the, the market price was actually lower than the than the uh, published price. So let's say it was a it was supposed to be a bucket contract back in those days. For this is for a, for a member to get somebody to work it for. Everybody's working it for him. Mean, it wasn't like it was a machine doing it. So um, if you did any kind of business, you took a thirty percent discount. So the real the real price was sixty five to seventy cents, which everybody knew, right? Like the the, the bigger the big, if you get big enough, I just get a bill for thousand bucks, you know, minus the discount, six fifty or three fifty, only six fifty. That that was everybody knew that. Now, when the board of trade was a bucket contract for the future stuff, they made that illegal. You couldn't do that. You could not discount. So of course, every guy who was a phone clerk, every guy who was a whatever it was, if you were the broker, I'd say, hell. How about I swing a few orders and you give me 30 cents a contract? The kickbacks were all over the place. Yeah, and that's all happened. And that's all it, it just, but because the, the real price was 35 cents. It's, it's why, I mean, if, if you really wanted um, to stop corruption, this is uh, George Stigler, a Nobel Prize winner. He said, all you have to do is, is make the price of the concrete work. You know, I'm not accusing Walsh or anybody. Make the price of the concrete work and the Dan Ryan. You know, for a, for a repaving, make that an honest bid, because if it's an honest bid and it's a real price, and the alderman calls up the guy, you know, Hell Hell Construction, says, Hell, I need a hundred grand, and then you go, Hey, the price the price I just did this for you guys, there's no hundred grand to make, right? Because it was a fair price to start with. I mean, I don't, I'm sure you teach some of that to your guys. Oh yeah, well, a good example of a Shawshank Redemption when the uh, warden is selling his. Uh, is a labor, is prison labor, is slave labor. <laughs> yeah. And he finds, uh, I don't know, a hundred grand in the uh, apple pie. Yeah. 
He goes, oh, I'm not going to bid on that contract, right? He's talking to a guy that has a, uh, he's talking to a contractor, right? And the contractor comes up and he goes, hey, my wife made this great apple pie for you. And oh, by the way, uh, this apple pie is really good. Don't bid on that contract. And the ward opens up the box and he goes, yeah, I wasn't planning on bidding on that contract. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, one of the guys, uh, I had a, well, he, well, actually, the dude lived to be like 108 or something. Uh, Father Fitzgerald, so he, I had him when, he, when I was in school, the guy was old. And, uh, and I, I, mean, I, didn't, I don't think he died very long ago, but he was a, a, a big time arbitrator and mediator, and he was, you know, he was a priest. But he, he's, he taught on, uh, unions and, and, uh, collusion and stuff. And he goes, there was one outfit where they, they did all the construction work for this one town or county or whatever. And everybody had their phase of the moon, and if, and if it was their phase of the moon, everybody everybody bid, you know, a million five, and somebody would one of the guys would bid a million four fifty, and he'd get it, you know, because it was his turn. It was it was his phase of the moon. <laughs> you know, well, it's kind of like uh, gas prices in the nineteen seventies, right? If your yeah. license plate ended with an A, you could buy it on Monday or something, right? Yeah. Well, so what? So who do you think with this? I, I never thought, to be honest with you, I never thought the insurance companies would get involved in anything like this, but they're right front and center in this thing. Well, I, I think the insurance companies are in it because the insurance industry, I think, is one big uh, government-run cartel. I mean, you look at health insurance before Obamacare, you had a, a cartel of insurance companies. They weren't, I mean, Blue, Blue Cross Blue Shield was different in New Jersey than it was in right. say, Utah, right? So each one of these states, had its own, like, cartel of insurance companies. And the state would mandate what these insurance companies have to um, offer in terms of services. So I, I think international insurance companies are probably, you know, running the same way, and they got these interlocking corporate directorships and boards and whatnot. Well, I'm gonna, so I'm gonna, the I'm insurance gonna... companies are in business because the governments uh, allow them to be in business they give them a license to be in business, and then they protect them from competition. Well, yeah, of course, insurance companies go along with it. Who? Uh, I, I feel confident I can ask you questions that I have no idea what I know the answer of. If I, if I want to insure a super tanker, do I still have to go to Lloyd's? I mean, I'm not going to Allstate for that. I mean, is there, I mean, who who does that? Is it Chubb? Is anybody here big enough, or is it all just Lloyd's in London that does that? Oh, it's probably. Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure that Saudis have insurance companies that do that because that's their biggest uh, product, right? So I'm sure I'm sure there's insurance companies that will, that are not in the West that will cover that. Um, but I mean, what is, what is it? What's the insurance on one of those container ships with 20,000 containers on them, for God's sake? I mean, what, yeah. What, 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 what is the total value of the crap on one of those things? What if what if one of them hits a, yeah. hits, hits a rack and I, sinks? I wish I, I wish I had an oil tanker so I could sell it. You know, I, I'd buy a little island in the middle of nowhere. Well, what, so are these guys, the Russians are around buying these old oil tankers, but isn't there rules now that uh, some of the old ones that are single hull, I, I think you can store oil in them, but I don't think you can, you can, you can, you can't pull one of those into Houston, can you? They don't tell you have to be double hull and everything. They have to be relatively yeah. new. I'm not, I say new, not last week, but yeah. I don't think you can, you can, you can, Rev up one from the night from 1965 and, and try and head it across the ocean. Can you get it insured? Well, if this insurance play uh, works as designed, all that will happen is it'll encourage a pipeline to be constructed from Russia into India and China, and they won't have to worry about it. Right? They'll just run the oil in a pipeline, and then India and China they don't have to buy their oil from some countries that um, from companies headquartered in countries 
that use shipping containers to ship it. So over the long run, it's not going to work. It might work in a short run for a little while, but are you um, sort of surprised that people, have, people are pretty smart? Are you sort of surprised that oil today is is seventy eight bucks a barrel and for West Texas? Um, I'm not surprised because uh, the economy's slowing. The world economy's slowing. You see real wages. No, what I'm saying that the, 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 the uh, spread okay, between yeah. the spread between the market price and this great, you know, wailing and gnashing of teeth is only eighteen bucks. It's not, you, you, I mean, you would you expect this to be, you know, the market price being a hundred and the Russian price like forty or something, where it would be like worthwhile. Right? Is this even worthwhile for eighteen bucks? Yeah, to me, it just uh, speaks of competition when competition is uh, extreme. Um, and there's not a lot of cooperation between these companies. The margins get squeezed pretty quick. But if there's a collusion, if they're if they're working together, if they're planning together, the margins will be bigger. So I think what it is is Russia is kind of like competing with the world, and because it has to finance a war with Ukraine, and so it's not playing along. And you only need one competitor to bring prices down. So Russia's just not playing along. Well, I don't. Uh, once in a while, I mention this on the show and. Uh and, you know, it's it's well. I mentioned I should mention a little more often, but these things are, are so amazingly complex. When you look at the prices of this stuff, and people say, "Well, that's the price of whatever." Well, Greg was on yesterday. I think he said the price of corn. I haven't looked. I could look today, but say it's say it's eight bucks. It's probably a little less than that. Well, if I go out on your farm and I see a bushel of corn sitting in the middle of the field, it's not worth eight bucks. Hell, is it? I got to. I got to. I got to. No, no, no. I got to get it's my the farm. Yeah, the, the farm, like potato farmer, has all his potatoes in that humidity controlled uh, high tech cellar, right? Yeah. Um, to a farmer, those potatoes aren't scarce, right? So workers will walk into the cellar, and the, the farmer will say, "Hey, yeah, if you need some potatoes, just go in, and you can grab a couple of potatoes." Because to the farmer, those potatoes aren't scarce. To that farmer growing potatoes, corn is scarce. So. They want to trade the potatoes that are they have a super abundance for for something they don't have a, anything in, right? Well, you see, you're, you're, farmer you're, has a super abundance in corn, right? It, it, and it, so they'll they'll trade corn for potatoes. This is with so money, right? this is so special, hell. You always explain it like you're explaining it professorially in a class, which is which is great. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's why that's why I love you. But now, from a, from a, from a trader's point of view, I'm going to say. No, that, that corn needs to be in New Orleans. Then it's worth eight bucks a bushel. You got to get it there, buddy. It, it, it's called yeah, the, and, it, it, and it takes a lot of money to yeah. get it there. It's right? called it's called the basis. Yeah, and I and I actually uh, another example. Feel free to use in class. I went on one of these barge trips for the with the Illinois corn growers. We ran a barge trip. There's like six, seven, eight uh, massive uh, locks in that are old in Illinois between here and. The last one's in Alton, and from there you just go right to New Orleans without a lock. Well, evidently, if you put your corn on a barge here, it's like one or two pennies, maybe more, maybe three pennies. It's three pennies more for the shipment for every lock you have to go through. So say this this corn is worth eight bucks. Well, at the very least, it's worth seven eighty-eight before those locks. It's not including the rest of the shipping and everything else. So I guess what I'm asking, Hal, there's a, there's a million, a million, there's a real lot of oil contracts because I did some work for somebody. He was trying to sell the real nasty stuff, the the, the bunker oil that we don't let being used here unless you're out in the, up in the middle of the ocean. Well, the Chinese are trying yeah, to buy unless it. You're, unless you're Biden asking Venezuela to put more of it, right? Yeah. Well, no, but that's, I'm talking about after. And, and pretend he's, he's for the environment, right? What I'm saying, but the, 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 they, there's a difference between crummy oil 
in bunker oil after after refine it. Yeah. I mean, when when you get you get you're gonna, you're gonna get your gasoline, you're gonna get all the other stuff. And then at the bottom there's this heavy stuff. Obviously, Venezuelan is always gonna give you more of the heavy stuff. But that's why I think it's. A, I wish I had two weeks. I had nothing to do. Hell, I, I would dive into this oil industry. I find it fascinating. I used to love it when Tommy Shanahan came on because he knew all about this stuff. And I might ask him to come on a little bit more often. But uh, I guess my question to you is, if if our price here is eighty bucks, let's call it, say it's eighty bucks, what am I actually paying? This the Saudis at the I'll use the term at the pump in their harbor to fill up my my ship, which I now have to get it over here, pay the captain, pay the gas, pay the Suez oil Suez fee, which again is like four or five hundred thousand bucks. What am I paying those guys at the at the pump? Essentially, am I, I, I'm guessing if it's eighty bucks, what am I paying them sixty, sixty five? I'm not paying them eighty. Well, when 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 you're on the wholesale market, right? And you got crude oil in the United States, and you got crude oil in the Saudis. Uh, the prices have to be pretty flexible because, um, in for in order for me to switch from American crude oil to Saudi crude oil, the Saudis have to bring their oil price down so that just enough where all the uh, expenses of getting it here, when you add all that in on a per barrel basis, if that's not the same as the American crude price. I'm going to buy American crude. Yeah. So if the Saudis drop their, if they drop their barrel price just a little bit more, and then you lap, you you top it off with all those distribution costs, uh, and that that overall price per barrel inches below of a bar- American barrel of oil, then I'll buy it from the Saudis, right? And then the American oil producers don't have to lower their price just a little bit to get us to be indifferent again, right? Well, then the uh, it's a world market. Well, it's a world market, and part of the price. Is getting it from point A through point C and D to E. Right. right? Well, didn't uh, when our oil was down to thirty bucks or whatever, and when the industry kind of went downhill, and then now it's trying to work its way back up. Weren't the tar sands in Canada that were well tar sands? If regular oil's thirty, the tar sands, which are basically a horse bleep grade, is going to be fifteen anyway. Didn't it get down to like four or five dollars at the pump? <laughs> but if, if you want to go up with a tanker and said, "Give me some of that stuff," wasn't it like four or five dollars? It got way down there because there's a. <laughs> well, you know the fun, the funny thing about that is all those operations up there in Canada on the sands, you know all that all that investment sunk, right? Yeah. So you don't want to just kind of leave it there. So you got all this sunk uh, cost here. So I, I could see them being willing to sell it for that price. Right. Well, I don't know if they were willing to. <laughs> but, yeah, but I mean, they have to, right? What we're, we're, we're dancing yeah. around here, and I'll explain real quickly. There's a million different grades of oil. You're not going to get Venezuelan heavy with the sand and stuff in it. You're not going to get the same price for that per barrel than you are from something out of the back end. Well, it is, costs you know, more to refine. Yeah, See, that, yeah, That's part of the price, right? It costs more to refine. Well, not only that, you get a lot of crap oil out of it, heavy oil and less gasoline. And, and yeah. it should probably be levied at environmental tax because it probably does a lot more damage to the environment than uh, uh, refining a better grade of crude, right? So it, should all, it also should be a little higher in price. No, you Throw just, a little tax so we discourage it because it's worse to the environment. But well, you take the, you know, the Biden administration, which is afraid of rising seas, has a beach house. He doesn't want American companies who stay debanking them. But he wants the Saudis and the Venezuelans to... Yeah, but don't, oil to, yeah, but to don't forget your, your your real heavy oil is nothing more than like asphalt. So we we use yeah, that yeah, too. Yeah, so 
it's really harmful on the environment. So we shouldn't be buying from Venezuela and Saudi. We should be asking them to produce more. Well, I mean, we, we need asphalt too, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, I mean, it's not like we don't use the heavy grade stuff. It's it's the bunker yeah. oil. The bunker oil that we keep, we're yeah. now we're shipping to China because they're using it. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Hal, thank you very much, buddy. And, 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 oh, yeah, no problem, yeah. Uh, we, we, it's, these, are, these are economic issues right in front of our eyes. It must be a fascinating time to be a professor. You don't have to go anywhere for. Oh, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna. Yep. I mean, these are these are all these are all land-based examples. How how many years did you teach when you're when you're telling stories from 50 years ago? There was nothing today you could even bring people as an example. And now they're right in front of your face. Mm. Oh yeah, next next must just be a blast because I'm teaching microeconomics for the first time in like five years. Really, micro, eh? I don't know yeah, I've been what, teaching macro, but I'm going to be teaching micro. I don't know if I remember any of my micro. You can, you can test me on the air. Yeah. Test the listeners, too. <laughs> <laughs> Take care of yourself. But uh, what, what, what school is that? Are you still going to be in three schools next year or just the one? Uh, just the one, probably, yeah. Maybe Sattler, too. Yeah. All right, buddy. SB Futures un- unchanged here, believe it or not. SB Futures up 16. Be back tomorrow with Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. If you can't learn how to close, you better start thinking about another career. And I am deadly serious about that.